Happy Friday, theater lovers! Today's extra special guest, the beloved Ruth Francoeur, reveals the secrets behind her famous crack cookies, what the theater community is like in Fort McMurray, and in retrospect, I should have saved this episode for Valentine's Day, as Ruth shares this sweet tale of how she fell for Norm and the theater somewhat simultaneously. Ruth's laugh is infectious, and her stories are heartfelt and colorful. You are in for a treat, folks. On with the show. Okay, so we'll um, we'll get started. Welcome, Ruth Francoeur, to Sarnia Famous. You made my heart so happy in the t-shirt that you're wearing, which is absolutely gorgeous on you. Um, your Sarnia Famous t-shirt in support of Theatre Sarnia's youth group. There are t- still lots of t-shirts available, so if you're listening out there and you haven't gotten yours yet, there's still time. So Ruth, I am so excited. I, I normally don't prepare for these interviews, but with you, there was so many things that I wanted to talk to you about that I actually did write a couple things down. But yeah, just before we hit record, you were uh, chatting a little bit about the crack cookies and my mouth started salivating just at the very thought of them. I, I just wanted to know the story behind that because everybody loves them and you know even the vegetarians will jump off the vegetarian (laughs) wagon and have one i've been told so the funny story behind those is i mean i've been baking cookies and i certainly wasn't the first person to create the chocolate chip cookie but my daughter was home from alberta and we were baking just some chocolate chip cookies and on the counter i had some epicure little plug for epicure (laughs) anyway they make a maple bacon sea salt or they used to and we looked at each other and went geez i wonder what that would be like on there so we just sprinkled it on top before we baked it they came out we both took a bite went oh my god that's good so always wanting to do more the next time i made them i thought all right i'm gonna put some bacon bits in these cookies so that was the second try and i was like well that's better how can i make them better Oh, I know. We'll put real bacon on top. So we go to the farmer's market every week, and I always get the bacon from Wylands, and they're out of Petrolia, but they come, and they're just, I mean, there's a lot of really good butchers in town, but we like them, and we go to the market and support the market. So go there, and I I get the bacon, and I took it home, and I put maple syrup on it, and then baked it in the oven. And um, yeah, then when the cookies come out, then you put a dark chocolate chunk on top. And as that's melting, then you put the bacon on and that's the adhesive that keeps it on the cookie. Well, the first time I made those, I sent them to my grandson out in Calgary. And I guess my daughter tells the story that he opened the bag and he sniffed and he goes, is that bacon? <laughs> grandma made me bacon. I love grandma. <laughs> he said they were just the best thing. I went, well, you're my test audience. So good. Then I decided I made them for one show. And I don't know even now, like if I was in it or just in the audience or whatever, but I made them for a show one time and then that was it. Then it was a standard. It was like, well, it's opening night. There needs to be cookies. <laughs> and you know, if it's a musical, that's a lot of baking because you've got the musicians as well and you don't want to leave them out. <laughs> so that's my love language anyway, baking. My dad was a chef, military, but unfortunately my dad also had a problem with alcohol and I was not really welcome in the kitchen. 
So I didn't really learn a lot. And when I was in there, I was always underfoot. So whatever I learned, it was either by osmosis. And like a lot of people, picked up along the way. And, and actually, when I had my kids, I thought, I'm never going to do that. Right. I am going to have them in the kitchen. They are going to learn. Yeah. You try working full time. Yeah, just get out of the kitchen. Go watch cartoons. I was that mom. Go watch cartoons so I can make dinner. So the fact that they all know how to cook, I said, how did that happen? I remember saying, I will never do that as a parent. And then I had my own kids and all that changed. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I think probably it was maybe genetics then that the, the cooking gene kind of passed on through. I think it, it does. Yeah. Well, also when I was in grade 10, life kind of went off the rails for me a bit and I, um, Ended up having uh, to make a choice between going to a girl's home, and that was a real thing, or going to live with my sister in northern Ontario. Well, I say northern Ontario. It was Pembroke, which is near Ottawa. People from Sudbury are like, yeah, really? That's north? Come up a bit more, and then you can say you're from the north. But anyway, but I, and I said to myself at the age of 14, well, pff, I'm going to live with my sister, you losers. Like, I mean, that's going to be a party. That is going to be so awesome. Like, she's my sister. I mean, the party will continue. And I got up there, and they had just had a baby. You know, my sister was in her early 20s. My brother-in-law was, you know, he's like five years older than her. I don't know what possessed them to say, well, sure, we'll take this troubled teen because we have a new baby and, like, what could go wrong? <laughs> it's not like we're trying to start our own family. We'll just, yeah, we'll take you in. But they did. <laughs> and uh, thank goodness. Or I, I actually may not be sitting here talking to you today. So I went up there and uh, my brother-in-law said, all right, so we've had a chat and this is the way things are going to work here. You will go to school and not miss any classes. You will be on the honor roll. You will be in the band. You will teach Sunday school. You will pick your niece up every day after school, bring her home, watch her and make dinner. You're going to learn how to clean the house. If you have a job, it has to be Friday night or Saturday, provided we don't have a, because they were really involved in kinsmen and connects. If we don't have a function, if we do, you're home. And if we let you date, it's somebody that we know. And um, that's the deal. And I said, I remember after the first being in shock and then after a month calling my parents saying, is there still room at the girls' home? Because this is not what I thought it was going to be. I didn't sign up for this. This is like military school. It must be. I don't know. No. And my mom said, sorry, you made your decision. You made your bed. You lie in it. And, you know, guess what? I graduated grade 12, honors. I fulfilled everything. I did it all. I managed to meet a bad boy in the middle of all of that, too. But, you know, gravitated to those for a while, I guess. But anyways, so I owe them a lot for that. Sure, they got free babysitting, but I got my life back. And uh, I just needed that direction and discipline. And I, I didn't have it because, like I said, my father struggled with alcohol all of his life and he wasn't home a lot like when he retired from the army he was too young to retire so he would be away for months he'd go cook on these big ships and then you know a teenager left to her own devices because my mom was a nurse and a shift wow. worker yeah you have way too much freedom anyway they, that was all taken away and I was just sort of slapped into shape up there and uh I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I, but I was there for the whole thing. 
it is kind of amazing what we can accomplish with the the right parameters, right? Especially especially when we're young. But I have yep. to say, I wrote this down because I'm from Calgary, and oh. yeah, I um. So when you said Alberta, I wrote that down, and then when you said Calgary, I wrote that down and put an exclamation mark beside it because that that is my hometown. Sarnia is the only other place that I've ever lived. Wow. Yeah. Well, I lived in Calgary from grade one to grade three because military, and we were at Sarsi Barracks in Calgary in the marital quarters there. And my aunt came to live with us from Alberta so my mom could go back to school because I was born when she was like 40. So when she was 45, she became a nurse. She did many other things before that, including in those days staying home, raising a child when you're 40. And she thought it was change of life. She was right. It changed your life <laughs> a lot. I think she prayed for menopause. No. <laughs> Yay. Your sister's eight and your brother's 18. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Just yeah, a little gap. Yeah. So my aunt came to stay with us so she could. Anyway, so that's where we, um, I was there for three years. And um, my, our daughter, our eldest daughter is a nurse, but they live in Cochrane. So oh, you know okay. where that is. Cochrane is beautiful. Every time I go there, I feel like I'm walking into Pleasantville because it's these little cookie cutter houses. But like, I, I couldn't ask for, other than having our daughter live here, mm. a better place for, for her to be. It's, it was a really good move for them to go down there, and she got a lot of training and diversified herself as a nurse in different areas. Through the pandemic, she was teaching for a while. Of course, COVID, um, she was pulled back into and deployed into ICU in Calgary, mm -hmm. so she's been doing 12-hour shifts there. And unfortunately, we're going out for Christmas. We will not see her because she's working the whole time. And she's nine hours away from where we're going to Fort McMurray, which is sad. But you know what? We will see her on video. Our life is still a million times better than all you have to do is turn on the news. Right? And, and I have to remember that. As hard as it is, there's people that have it way worse. Even in our own city. There are people that really... This is small compared to what they're going through. So I have to put things in perspective, even though, you know, I cry in the shower. No, <laughs> just kidding. No, but I hear you. Like, it, it is difficult sometimes, though, when your life is filled with tumultuous stuff to take a breath and remember that other people are suffering more. Because in the moment, it feels like everything. But the fact that yeah. you can do that, the fact that you can take a second and go, hey, it could be so much worse. And and for me, being so far away from my family, it made me realize how lucky we are to have technology. Imagine oh. all of this without that capability. It would have been so, so, so much worse. Well, think back and you're like 100 years younger than I am. But like, oh, yeah. you know, to back in the day where you had to call people at a certain time and then you had to put the timer on First, the operator had to connect us. It had to be at a certain time because of the time change and also because it was cheaper to call this time. And so you had to connect all of that and then hope you didn't get cut off or hope that they didn't have a party line that somebody else was listening in on your conversation. Mrs. Smith, get off the phone. I can hear you breathing. That's <laughs> it's not your turn. Yeah, I know. Party lines. This was when we lived in Sombra for, I think I've moved 30, I counted 30 times in my life. Wow. Well, because somebody posted something on Facebook and I was like, hmm, I wonder. So I, st and I'm sure I've missed a few. 
but military and all, and oh. this is my second marriage so there's been a few other moves in between and yeah 30 times i was like okay and then before we downsized here i went okay if we have 30 times how did i collect all this crap <laughs> yeah who's the hoarder now no <laughs> I, I hear you though when I like I got rid of so much stuff when I moved from Alberta out here and it there's still a bunch of stuff in the basement in boxes and I'm going do I need this stuff it's been in boxes for two three years oh Marie Kondo and I are best friends now I <laughs> I, I laugh because I don't really watch her but I admire her and mm. I laugh at her a lot because I'm like yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> And when we downsized, we had, when we moved back here, um, Norm moved before me. This is the second time that he has moved for work and left me to sell the house (laughs) and organize the kids and everything. I was like, this is becoming a pattern. We're not doing this ever again. So when he moved back here from Alberta and he bought our house, I hadn't seen it. And my friends are like, what? <laughs> You're letting him buy your... I said, well, I we moved to Alberta. I flew out there because, number one, it was 1994. Okay, now we go on another tangent. But 1994, we moved to Alberta, and I was left here to sell the house. We decided, and that was what we did as a family. We decided to stay there. Our daughter was in grade eight. We'll let her finish the year graduate with her friends you go out there work you come back in june and then for graduation and then we'll drive out west as a family it'll be a holiday kind of thing so that was fine but i wanted to go out there and see and so they flew me out for the interview which was basically the city we were interviewing them not vice versa because (laughs) norm got a call saying dude we need you out here like and he was working contract here at city hall uh, for a boss that reminded him every day how lucky he was to have work. And uh, we're like, um, yeah, not a really healthy work environment. So, you know, I said, but Fort McMurray, like, I mean, do they have running water? Like, what? I mean, this is where the engineers went when I was in post-secondary. Uh, and they came back, and these are the guys you wanted to date because they had money, you know, because there was nothing to spend it on up there, right? And he said i think it's changed since then so we went out there and we were blown away number one we got an almost brand new house which the house we bought in sarnia was very old it was charming but very old lots wrong with it and many upgrades that needed to be done but the one out there almost brand new the theater blew us away the theater out there is through keanu college so keanu college back in the 90s had a and even in until mm, i guess maybe five years ago i think anyway they had a visual and performing arts program that community actors were invited to audition for all the shows that the theater put on and when they chose the shows they chose shows that were a good fit for the student population so they graduate you know, it would fulfill their curriculum, but it also offered a chance for the community actors to come in and play with the students. Oh, it was such an experience. And I went from in Sarnia back and back in those days, it was Sarnia Little Theater. You know, all the women have one change room. We still have one women's change room, but I mean, it was almost like we'd be at the library back then and you've got like a literally 
a sheet up with clothespins and stay on your side. And who cares? Because I just need to get on stage. I don't want to miss my entrance. You know, we went out there and it was private dressing rooms and these little suites that you could go and book and you could, if you played an instrument, you could go and have practice space. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we were blown away. We're like, wow. So we said, okay, well, there's the schools were close to where we lived. There's theater. And I was almost guaranteed a job because I worked in healthcare back in those days. So it was it was just like, it was a no-brainer. We have to do this. We'll go for two years and then we'll come back. Well, that lasted 18 years. Oh. Yeah. So the, anyway, I've gone off in another tangent again. I hope you're keeping track. I, I, uh... <laughs> it's a busy place up here. <laughs> My head. I love it. I love that you, I have to remember to take notes because I'm just sitting here staring at you and I have to remember <laughs> to like write things down. But so did uh, well, you. Well, it'll all be in my book. Oh. I have a title because my, my sister, God lover, keeps saying, you need to write a book. Um, I mean, it's really, it's amazing you're still alive. Oh, <laughs> I said, well, I know. I said, I already have a title. It's called, I had a pity party, but nobody came. And then in brackets, why Nana's batshit crazy? <laughs> why Nana's batshit crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that one, Ruth. That's too funny. I will look for that book. You were probably going to ask me where I met that wonderful husband of mine that took me all over the country. I wasn't, but we can talk about that if you like. Go for it. Well, it was shortly after my ex-husband and I separated, and I had known Norm, although just on the periphery. He was friends with friends of mine, and the guys all worked at Atlanta Mall. So Norm worked at Lots of Fun, it was called, and it was like, it had an arcade and t-shirts and anyway, that kind of store. And I met him one night at a Christmas party, with my ex, I think he was there stag. But anyway, so he we had him, all the ladies had him up on the floor and the guys were probably buying him drinks so they didn't have to. <laughs> and that's how I kind of met him. But I mean, he says to this day, I'm not sure I would have even remembered your name. So <laughs> I was that impressive. But also I was married and like, why would he need to know? Anyway, skip ahead a few years. I'm going through the mall one day and I see him and I said, hi. He said, oh, hi. And, you know, he had a couple of seconds that so we're talking and he said, what's new? And I said, well, you know, lots, but what about you? And he said, well, I'm in a show right now. Oh, I said, uh, well, my mom, my mom always had me in drama when I was a kid, but then I, you know, had a few lost years uh, where I should have found myself in the drama room. I went elsewhere. I kind of got away from that, but I really, um, she would have, and she passed away like the year before mm -hmm. this conversation. I said, she would have loved that. He said, you know what? You should just come down and watch a rehearsal. We're rehearsing tonight down at Campbell Street. Why don't you just come down and watch? Okay. Oh, maybe I will. Anyways, I went down and Dallas, I have to tell you. I walked into that building and I felt a warmth immediately. And it wasn't the temperature. It was like my mom and my dad were there saying, this is where you need to be. This is your home now. I can still feel it. When I think about it, it gives me chills. Like I just remember that feeling and I'm thinking, all right, I guess I'll stay. So I sat and I watched and everybody was so warm and inviting. And, and at the end of it, I said, um, thank you so much. I think I might come back here. He said, well, good. I said, listen, this has been so good for me tonight. I can't even really tell you why. I think this is where I need to be. So can I buy you a drink? And he said, well, sure. So Campbell Street Station was like just down the road. And that was the one of the big hangouts that people would go to, right? And we we're going to the car and I said, you know, 
I am so sick of the bar scene and it's so loud. Would you mind having coffee instead? And he said, not at all. So we went to Global Donuts and we sat there for three hours. I don't know how many pots of coffee. I don't even think we ate a donut. (laughs) And I immediately felt like I could talk to him. I mean, it was an emotional regurgitation of everything like that was wrong with my life basically anyways he was just receptive and and you know i think he may have got two words in the whole night which you know me so you know how that went anyways at the end of the night he dropped me off at my brother's house because the way my ex and i were working it is we were doing a week on a week off with the kids and the kids always stayed in the in their home So they didn't have any mix-up. They didn't have to pack up and go anywhere. Anyway, that didn't last for long, but we were trying that. So this is before cell phones or anything. And he dropped me off, very gentleman-like, no kiss, nothing. It was just very polite. And I just felt like, wow, what a guy. Anyway, no phone call, no phone call. And I was like, well, would you call you? Like, think about it. You've got enough luggage to own Samsonite lady like seriously run run like the wind and he was already planning to go back to Lambton College to take the um, IT program for three plus years so he had a goal why would he call you his he's just got his shit together he's moving on this was a nice night just leave it at that well the, the week went on and on I was like no I feel something here I feel like I want to go on a date with this guy what do you got to lose whatever if he hangs up he hangs up so I called him at work and I said it's Ruth he went oh thank god you called I had no way of contacting you and I just really had a good time and I was I said so I was wondering if you'd maybe want to go to a movie yes I want to go to a movie yes so yeah, back in those days, no cell phone. And he didn't even know my maiden name and then couldn't ask any of the mutual friends we knew because why would he want my number? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was meant to be. Anyway, so we went to see The Secret of My Success, Michael J. Fox. It's still, we have the movie and we watch it every now and then just to reminisce. Yes, that was how it started. Like, we went to the movie and then that was in May the I think because he wrote it he bought me a little trinket one time and he wrote our first date on the back of it so I think it's May the 4th 1987 yes that's how we met and so then we did theater like my first show was at the Campbell Street venue because that's what we did back in those days we rehearsed there and then we did big shows at the library but this was a little one act and it was called Graceland and a friend of ours who's now uh, deceased his name was mark watson he directed it and it was myself it was a two-hander and it was about two die-hard elvis fans waiting outside for graceland to open up it was the be- lot of dialogue because it was one act and it was two people there was a lot of words and i'm telling you when i get up on that stage and of course you feel the warmth and the glow of the lights but it was more than that it was like this is where i need to be when it was awesome and uh, that, in one way, was one of the most meaningful shows that I've ever done because that was what lit the flame. And then it was not long after that that, uh, you know, I started to do more and more. And then my, I think my first 
full length was come back to the five and dime jimmy dean jimmy dean i think that was that one and then after that steel magnolias i did a number of shows here and i can't remember probably somewhere between 20 and 30 in the years that we were here and then we went out to alberta and probably did just as many out there then we branched out and alberta has you you'll know this the fringe festivals Mm -hmm. oh my favorite thing almost it was just awesome we would close down the main street in fort mcmurray and tents all over the place and buskers and we formed our own little group called the we were initially called the borealis boredom breakers i love alliterations and anyway so that's what we were and we did we really lucked out most of the time we'd get really good venues but sometimes you'd have a venue that was like and of course it was some of them were bring your own chair yeah you have to compete with like cars and sounds and because you're out in an outdoor tent Sometimes we're lucky enough to be inside, but it was just, you met some of the greatest entertainers and artists. And of course, it was all the visual artists, performing artists, artisans from everywhere would come from Calgary. All the fringes, even BC, would come up to Fort McMurray because they hear about it. And it was just this whole festival week of insanity. We had so much fun. So then we, we changed our name from that to Katie's Playhouse and became like a nonprofit, And uh, we did that in addition to the piano theater that we belonged to, in addition to those shows. So yes, it was it was busy times. Only one of our kids went into drama. Really? <laughs> I know. Well, it's funny because they say, well, there's only room on the stage for like you and dad. And you know, that's, oh. we're good with it. I mean, our son cracks me up all the time because he's he's a comedian. I think he would be awesome, but he, and he did in, in grade school and high school get on stage but then he never pursued it our eldest daughter became a nurse but our younger daughter the middle one she went to piano college for her first year so she could live at home and then she did her next three years at university of alberta and got her bachelor of fine arts in stage management and so she was a stage manager uh for a couple the first couple of years and then got tired of living out of her suitcase because that's what you do when you're like 21 and or i guess she was older than that then but you don't have experience that's that age-old dilemma right so she did little contracts here and there and lived out of her car that was held together with spit because she had no money because she was very resourceful as we were when she was in university and and she graduated thankfully with no student loans which was unheard of but she did but her little car like finally one year she just said can i come home for the summer i just need to save some money and try and get a job out at one of the plants so she got a data entry job at one of the plants and we didn't charge her any money to be at home because what would be the point you know that wasn't the point of doing it and we had since bought a huge house because the daughter that was a nurse that lived in ontario moved back to fort mcmurray anyway so we just bought this giant house and everybody moved back home is the story there like the son as well it was a great house though there was a suite in the basement for the married daughter and husband and child and then the rest of us lived in the upper level and we had lots of bathrooms and rooms and nobody was ever in the way it was great but uh, anyway so then she finished that summer and said you know what there's a job at the city and it's basically it's a horizontal move it's not in theater but it's planning for the planning department at the city and it's transferable skills because as a stage manager you have to be organized a good planner 
and she had all those skills. So she did this maternity leave. And you know what? I think 15 years later, she's still there. And she supports the arts in other ways by going to see shows. She says, sometimes I feel like I, I would have liked to stay there, but I also need the security. Unless you are very lucky, you don't get jobs like a theater manager until you're much older and have all that experience. So if you're content to live out of your suitcase for 10 or 20 years, until somebody takes a chance on you and you can, you know, set roots down someplace. It's not for everybody. Yeah, so only one out of three of them. (laughs) And she wasn't in it for very long. No. Yeah, they all support her. Yeah, like you can have it as a hobby, right? And that that seems to be the difference with with a lot of people. It's either a passion and a hobby or it is your driving force and it has to be your job. Well, yes. And actually on that train of thought, some of the kids that graduated from the Keanu College program, it was a two-year VPA program and then they would transfer out to a university to get their BFA. And there have been so many kids that have graduated from there that are actually making a living at what they're doing. Like one night the phone rang, it was about two in the morning or something, and, and one of the, the kids, I said, are you all right? Because we became the parents. Everybody was from away there in Fort McMurray because it's remote, right? Like it's just a melting pot. I used to think Toronto was till I moved there. And so, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. One of the kids called it two in the morning. Oh, yeah. The kids called two in the morning. Thank you. I'm back. The kids called it two in the morning. And I said, are you okay? And he said, yeah. Have you seen the new X-Men movie? I went, uh, no. Do you know it's two in the morning? He said, oh, sorry. Uh, you were probably in bed. I went, well, yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. He said, well, you got to watch it. That first scene, that second policeman that gets thrown into the tree and died, that's me. <laughs> That's awesome. And actually, to this day, like when he left the program and went on to pursue his career, he gave me a snow, Winnie the Pooh snow globe that his wow. grandma gave him. And I still have that. And then there are Lucas Muse. There's another kid that went, well, he's not a kid. He's almost 40 now. But anyways, he's working in Toronto and he does a lot of musical theater. And he came down and performed at the Imperial with another woman. We took him out to dinner and I said, Lucas, who'd ever thought, like, I mean, we knew you were talented, but that we'd all be sitting here in Sarnia and you'd be performing for us on our stage. And then this other young lady, her name's Umberly Gonzalez. She's done very well. She's from Venezuela and just dropped dead gorgeous, but on the inside too. And we knew from day one, she was driven. She was driven. She was focused. She was not a partier. If you look her up on IMDb, she's got probably about 20 credits already. She's not even, I think she might be in her early 30s. That's just a few of the stories of some of the kids that have come out of there. I was just thinking though, despite the fact that none of your kids really got into the theater bug it sounds like you had a lot of kind of adopted kids that really oh yeah so and you to see you talking about it you're you're beaming like a proud mama oh i am oh thank you yeah there are theater orphans we used to call them right because it was easter thanksgiving christmas some of them never got to go home anyway so i said well you're not going to be alone you're coming to our house so the house that we bought had Well, we called it our last supper table because it was, you could fit 14 people around it. It was ginormous. It was an IKEA special, but we said we need to get the maximum use in our dining room in this magic house we had was huge. And so, yeah, we would, but back in those days, that was still not enough chairs. 
So, you know, there'd be people eating wherever and it would potluck and, you know, we it was great. And any any of the artists that would come to town if we were in the show, well, you're coming over for dinner. It was just, it was a good time. We really, I missed that part of, and so many other things about Fort McMurray. It was, for a place I didn't want to go to, I probably grew the most as a person, I think, living out there just because of the relationships that I developed. You know, it wasn't all awesome. There were some valleys, uh, dips in the in the road. And like when we got out there, the job I was supposed to have wasn't uh, available because Ralph Klein had done all kinds of healthcare cuts. And so I ended up working for a really horrible optometrist for about six months. And then I, I took a chance on a mat leave at the hospital in the rehab services department and I said you know I cannot work here another minute this is horrible so I quit I went to the hospital and then that mom decided to stay home and the job became mine so I stayed there and I worked there for about five years you know when you're good at what you do pat myself on the back you get promoted so I ended up working in administration but definitely away from people I'm a people gal the only time I got to talk to people is if their MRI took six months or the doctor yelled at their son or the complaint department and I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. And I, I mean, honestly, I was basically crying every day on the way to and from work. And Norm and I were sh- commuting together. He said, so you need to change your job because this can't go on. Well, it'll fall apart without me. He said, I'm pretty sure it won't. And just sort of out of the blue, I got this email saying, we're starting up this pilot project. It's got your name written all over it. You need to call me. I'm too busy to call. Call me. So I called it's a family resource center. It's called The Hub. It's going to be a place for families with young children, preschool, to come and get parenting programs, early literacy, all this stuff. We want somebody to like greet the public, open the door, sign them in, make them feel welcome. That has you written all over it. You hardly need to apply. Oh, I don't know. And so then my subconscious said, you should share this with your husband because he knows this will be good for you. So I did. And he said, so when do you start? And I said, well, I mean, it's not even posted yet. I mean, and I probably won't get it. He said, so let's let's put that out into the, you know, into the universe because <laughs> that's helpful. I said, oh, fine. Anyway, so then the job gets posted and I don't apply. And they emailed me again. And I said, so we didn't see your name in the applicants. How about just come in and chat? So I went, oh, all right. I went in for the interview. I thought I was interrupting a board meeting because there was like 12 people around the table. I was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I must be in the wrong. And then I looked and I was like, Mary? She said, yeah, this is a multi-partnership. Everybody wanted to meet the candidate. And so I thought if I told you there'd be 12 people in the panel, you might not come. So let's just pretend you're on stage, okay? (laughs) I looked at her. I kind of, all right. Anyway, laughed through the whole thing, whizzed through the interview because, I mean, I was obviously qualified. But then we got to the really hard part, which was, so, would you like to talk about, do you have any questions for us? Which is usually when you talk about compensation and stuff. And I was like, well, no, I'm good. And they're like, how about compensation? I went, all right, sure. And I was making a lot of money at the hospital at the time. They came in about half of what I was making. I said, oh, well, it's been nice meeting you all. And anyway, I left. The phone rings about a half an hour later, and it's the panel again. They say, so we've just been talking to Norm. And I was like, uh, what? 
Why? Well, he works for the city, and so the city is a partner, and we figure that if we do some juggling around, we can come up about half, like about 5 or $10 an hour, and if we don't have to pay you benefits, because he has them, and you won't get your pension, but, you know, maybe someday we'll be able to do that. So I called Norm. So when do you start? I said, well, I told him I'd get back. You what? You didn't sign? What is wrong with you? I said, it's a big deal. I said, we'll talk about this tonight. And he said, look, we don't need that extra money. We're fine. You can do this. And by the way, if you don't, you don't get to bitch anymore. <laughs> fine. But guess what? When I left, they hired two and a half people to replace what I was doing. Anyway, memo to self, don't be a murder. So I took the job and it blew up like crazy successful. We grew a second center in the third year we were open and did all these incredible programs out in the outlying areas to the indigenous communities out there. Like I said, met people from all over the world. Yeah, just life up there was active all the time. And you have to be because the winters are super long and mm. super cold. You have to just get out there and, you know, we had things. I know Ottawa has Winterlude. We had Winterfest and, you know, ice sculptures. And, I mean, you just have to get out there and embrace it or it's very long. Yeah. And, of course, theater is all year long out there. So well, there, and it there sounds like uh, something that I think is so important in a relationship is when your spouse pushes you, encourages you, gives you the space to be the best version of yourself, which it sounds like you both do for each other. You're right. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And I think when I met Norm, like I said, you know, it was at a time in our lives where I probably should have had time for self-reflection and getting my crap together. He was embarking on this new career and all signs led to this is never going to work. But there was this driving force and this electricity and magnetism that just like kept us together. And like we went from living in a one bedroom apartment and it was kid sharing years. When the kids were there, they slept in Norm's giant big waterbed, which was fun for them. And we slept on the pullout from hell. It was awful with a mattress that was like two inches thick. It was just the worst thing. But you do what you have to do, right? Now, the kids probably would have been better on that. But it's all about making them happy in those days, right? And we did that. And then we moved to a two-bedroom. And then a two-bedroom townhouse. And then a three-bedroom. And then when we bought our first house, that was 1992. Because we moved. We were there two years. And it was a little house in Mitten Village. And that was theater party central, too, by the way. Because it was our house. And then a few doors down was Henry Canino. And then a few doors down from that was Don and Edie Coor. And so we would have parties back in the day that would start at one house and just sort of migrate over to another. And and we had this giant room in our basement that Norm, he resisted at first, but I think he was glad later that I said, if I know we need to do other stuff in this house, but if we have a room in this basement, that can be just the, the chill room. Like, just go play games, whatever. Let, let's just buy a big piece of carpet, paint the walls, and call it a day. And then we had the, he had this friend that had worked at, it was not Radio Shack, the source, no, I don't know. Maybe it was Radio Shack. Anyway, they sold TVs and electronics. And he had a customer that had more money than God. So he had this giant projection TV that he gave to our friend. 
And by giant, I mean, like, not giant by today's standards, but it was probably 70 inches. Back then, it was like, oh, my God, like, where did this movie theater-sized screen come from? In buying this old house, we found in the basement this little container of Victrola needles. Well, we had a Victrola, but my brother, in his infinite wisdom, thought it would make a better bar than a Victrola and gutted it. I mean, we had no use for the needles. So we literally did a swap because this guy had a Victrola but needed needles. We swapped him the Victrola needles for this giant projection TV. Well, I guess the kids still laugh and say, you've never seen anything funnier than mom trying to play Super Mario on a giant screen. Because, I mean, the hands are going like this and it's, and I'm so animated and I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm terrible. But it was also, we had like three couch sets. That's how big the room was. So after theater parties, some of the families would just come bring their kids. The kids would play and the uh, parents would recuperate with mega pots of coffee. Coffee and bacon and eggs. All right, I'm better now. All right, life can go on. But yeah, that was a, that was a great house. Lots of character and characters. <laughs> so it sounds like it's kind of a natural thing for you guys, no matter where you are or what you're involved in, to kind of have a hub where everybody can come and hang out. And that shines through. Even when I first met you, there is a, a inclusivity, a warmth that comes from you that Aww. just emanates and, and makes Thank you desirable to be around and comfortable to be around. But I do have to wrap up because my computer is starting to... I'm terrified that I'm going to lose footage. It's happened to me enough oh, times. I just want to put a little... Yes, please. A little plug in that yes. just before that with the youth group. When I moved back in 19 or 2011 from Fort McMurray back to Sarnia, John LaRue, God rest his soul, he contacted me the first year we were back. He said, I need you in the youth group. And I said, well, I, I haven't done it since like 1990 or 87 when it was called Stage with Megan Hadley and, you know, like way back in the day. He said, come on, I mean, you'll learn as you go. So that's how I got pulled back into the youth group then. And, you know, we just had the junior youth group and the senior youth group. And anyway, that's how he pulled me back in that guy. And then the rest is history. But I I owe a lot to him because, again, this working with the kids is so rewarding. You learn so much from them, you know, and, and the hugs and the, they're just the best kids to work with. I've had a lot of really positive memories come out of that. I'm sure that goes School. both ways. But I think it is important to say that we can learn from the kids, too. It's not all about them learning from the adults. There's a lot of knowledge from the, on their side of things as well. Oh, absolutely. We've had one little girl came up to her mom and said at one point, Mommy, I found my voice. I know. She was just wouldn't even say she was as quiet as a mouse. And then skip ahead six years she's playing the lead in through the looking glass she's playing Dorothy and I said to the mom in the lobby I said who'd have thought she said I can't thank you enough I said well not me but I mean our group right she said but she's Maya's came home to me one day and she said mommy I found my voice that's beautiful. you know and and lots of, I've got like a hundred stories like that you know and, and but the pandemic you know it's it's been horrible and but I see some of those kids and like they're like they're just coming up and they're hugging me they're like they can see when they know it's me through the mask they're like <gasps> Ruth <laughs> and they're running across the room and I'm like oh my gosh and, and how did you grow two feet what's with that <laughs> what do you mean you're in university now stop it <laughs> 
Well, that's beautiful. And what a what an excellent note for us to close on. Thank you so much, Ruth. Oh, thank you for listening. If you know, there's uh, like I said, it'll be in the book. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I will keep my eyes peeled for that book. And uh, I can plug it on the show when it's published. Don't you worry. I'd be happy to. It's a good thing Norm wasn't here because he probably couldn't gotten a word in edgewise anyway. And (laughs) and he's used to that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, enjoy your day. Thanks. And thank you. I can't wait to see you and hug you in person. You owe me two hugs at least, Missy. And and some cookies. Obviously. Obviously some cookies. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Ciao. Okay, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed listening to Ruth's stories as much as I did. See you next week.